I have, um, I've been part of what you could call uh, church world literally my whole life. I grew up in church. Uh, I received a Christian education from kindergarten all the way through 12th grade at this church's school. My whole life spent here. After that, I, I went on to a Bible college and then on to a major Christian university. Um, and following that, I have been what you could call a professional Christian um, in uh, pastoral ministry for nearly 15 years. I say all that to point out that I am very much an insider. Very much an insider when it comes to the church and organized Christianity. And I'm really, I'm really thankful for that. Please understand, I am very, very thankful for all of those experiences. I have seen a lot of great things as a result of all of that. Really have. But one thing that I'm convinced we Christians, the church in general neglect far too often that I have seen as a result of all of that experience and all of those aspects of my life, the thing that I'm convinced that we just neglect far too often, one area of ministry that we don't do nearly as good of a job on as we should, is the area of burden-bearing. Burden-bearing. Carrying one another's burdens. I'm talking about the consistent, intentional carrying of one another's burdens within the household of faith, within the church of Jesus Christ. It's sad. It's very sad, and it's a very real problem. And it's a twofold problem, really. It's a twofold problem. First, when we neglect to do this in a consistent, meaningful way, we allow a lot of hurt and spiritual sickness to go unchecked. And when that happens, that causes great, great damage to the body of Christ. So that's the first problem. Secondly, but no less serious as the first problem I just mentioned, our neglect in this area, this caring of one another's burdens is total and direct disobedience. It's total and direct disobedience to the command of Scripture, and therefore, it's a total and direct disobedience to the command of God. Because the commands of God are in the commands of Scripture. If we really believe that all Scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for correction, for instruction, for reproof, that the man of righteousness may be thoroughly equipped unto all good works. If we really believe that, then it applies to everything. And in Galatians 6, 1 through 2, we see exactly how much this is a direct command that the body of Christ needs to be about intentionally carrying one another's burdens continually. So, Galatians 6, 1 through 2. 
It's on the screen, but I encourage you to also follow along in your own copy of God's Word, whether that's digital or physical. Galatians 6, 1 through 2. Paul writing here. And here we go, verse 1. Brothers, I'll let you know he's writing to the church. He's writing to Christians. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, and that word caught there, that's not like, oh, I caught you. You know, it's not like what we do with our, with our kids. Like, I, 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 what you doing? Nothing. You know, it's not like that. It's not like, I gotcha, I gotcha. That's not the idea here. The idea is, is trapped, ensnared. Some translations say overtaken with a sin. It's, it's not the, the, the just absolute defiant, very, very intentional, I'm going to sin and this is my lifestyle and, and this is what I am and who I am and I'm not apologizing for it. It's not that. It's, this is a, a genuine believer, made new in Christ, going along in their Christian life, and they, they fall. They fail. They, they come into an error. They make a choice that leads to their fall. It's not an open, willing practice of sin. It's being ensnared by sin. If someone is caught, trapped, ensnared in a sin, you who are spiritual... That literally means spirit-filled, in step with the spirit, walking with the spirit, of the spirit. You who are spiritual should restore him gently. Should restore him gently. And we understand what it means to restore in a general way. What Paul says here in this word, though, is so beautiful and so rich and so powerful. Our English word restore has been translated from the Greek word katartizo. Katartizo. And it means, literally, it means to mend. It means to repair what has been broken. It's like the setting of a fractured or broken limb with a doctor. It means take something that's broken and damaged and make it right again. Make it what it needs to be. Make it what it should be. Mend, repair. You who are spiritual, you you who are, are walking in the Spirit, who are in fellowship with the Spirit, you see your brother or your sister ensnared by sin, restore them, mend them, repair them gently, gently. Not in a harsh manner. Not in a hostile way, not in a judgmental, over-hypercritical manner, not in a superior way, coming along saying, goodness, again, really? When are you ever going to learn? Oh, I remember what it was to be a weak follower of Christ. You know, no, none of that. Come to them gently. And you can't come to someone gently unless you also are coming in humility, right? So the way in which we restore this brother or this sister, the way in which we mend them and repair them is to be done in a gentle manner, a gentle way, a loving way, a humble way. And then he goes on. But watch yourself. But watch yourself. Or you also may be tempted. 
Watch yourself. In other words, guard your own mind. As you're doing this, as you're ministering to this brother or sister that's broken, that's down, that's been ensnared, do it gently, but also do it with wisdom, guarding your own mind, your own heart, taking care over your own well-being spiritually. Why? Or you also may be tempted. You also may be tempted. Then verse 2. Carry carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So you come to this brother or your sister sister that you see struggling and, and broken down. You come to them, and in love and in grace and in humility, you restore them and you repair them. In all gentleness and in all humility, the whole time... Keeping in mind your own failings, your own weakness. And then you, you, you reach down where they're at and you pick them up and you pick up their burden. And the idea is that you put it on your own shoulders and you carry that burden that they can no longer bear or that has them beaten and you carry them along. It's in your mind, you can picture the story of the Good Samaritan. Right, The way Jesus told that story about this, this person is beaten and, and down and no one would stop and, and help him and see to him and care for him except the unlikeliest of all people, the Samaritan. And he comes and he picks him up and he puts him on his own animal and he carries him to where he can get atten- medical attention and care and he, he provides for him all that he needs. That's the idea, that's the visual with carrying one another's burdens. So that's the command. That's the command of Scripture here in Galatians 6, 1 through 2. Restoring our fellow brothers and sisters and bearing, carrying their burdens along with us. And here in in verse 1, the, the fact that Paul mentions dealing with observed sin in the life of a fellow believer in connection with the command to carry each other's burdens, that's the, the first verse talking about sin, you're observing sin, you're seeing sin, and you're addressing that. The fact that that is mentioned in connection with what verse 2 says about carrying the burdens, that's very significant. That's an important detail. And it's something we need to keep at the forefront of our thinking, too, because no matter what other type of burden that we or another brother or sister are dealing with, the most serious dangerous burden to carry is the burden of sin. No matter what other burdens we might have that are significant, that are serious, that are heavy, no matter what other burden that might be, the most significant, the most dangerous, the most serious burden to be aware of and to deal with is the burden of sin. We need to believe that. We need to believe that. We need to remember that. We have to address sin within the body. We have to. We can't shy away from it. We can't run away from it. We have to deal with it head on. But as important as that is, as important as that is, and it's very important, it's equally important to make sure that we are careful and biblical in how we address it. Because it can be very Very easy within the church 
to either pretend the sin never happened, you know, just la 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 la, pretend the sin never happened, or the other extreme, to react too harshly towards the one who has sinned. Very easy to fall into one of those categories, and we, we do it all the time as, as the church. So the balance between those two extremes that is necessary, the balance between those two extremes, it can only be brought about and maintained by the Holy Spirit. It can only be brought about and maintained by the Holy Spirit. In other words, along with what Paul is saying here in Galatians 6.1, the Spirit-led brother that is restoring the sinning brother won't approach him harshly or as if he were far superior to him or as if it's just no big thing at all. It's just not a problem. Not even really worth paying attention to. See, the spirit-led brother is not going to fall into the error of one of those extremes. The spirit-led brother is going to walk in balance the way he needs to walk. And he's going to address this issue, the sin issue, that the sin burden, the right way in the Spirit. So he's not going to go to one of those extremes. Rather, as he speaks the truth, and he will speak the truth, because the Spirit is the Spirit of truth, the Bible says. So if we're led by the Spirit, if we're in the Spirit, we too will speak the truth, but we will always do so in love. We will always do so in love, the way the Holy Spirit speaks truth to us. The way that you always see Jesus Christ speaking the truth to everyone he spoke truth to. He didn't pull any punches. He spoke the truth in absolute clarity, in consistency, but he always did so full of grace and full of love. So we too, if we're walking in the Spirit, as we see our brother or sister down and burdened, with a load of sin, we will go to them and we will address it. We will address the seriousness of it, but we will do so in grace and in love with full humility, with full understanding of our own weakness. It's very important to keep in mind. As we go to this brother or this sister, we will do so with a full understanding. The forefront of our mind will be our own weakness, our own susceptibility to sin. We can't ever forget that. But for grace, so go I, is the concept we have to keep in our mind. We we can't look at our brother or our sister who who is down and and struggling with a particular sin and under the weight of that and and just think, oh, oh, how, how good it is for me not to struggle with that. Man, that must be bad. Man, I'm so thankful I don't have that problem. The Bible also says, be careful. Because pride goes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. So we have to be very, very careful and very, very guarded about our mindset and where our heart is as we go about ministering to our brother or sister who's under that weight. Those doing the restoring, if you have the opportunity and the ability to see a brother or a sister down and struggling and you're, you're doing the restoring work, the restoring ministry to them, not only do you have to be on guard against the temptation of whatever sin they're dealing with, because you could be just as, as susceptible to it as they are, but you also have to be guarding against the temptation of pride. And then in verse 2, 
obviously the command given here to carry each other's burdens, as he starts off with in verse 2, this command, um, it applies to all kinds of burdens. It's not just the burdens of, of those who stumble into sin. It's not just the sin burden. That's the most significant that's the first and foremost to address. If we don't address that, then it doesn't matter what other burdens we address. It doesn't matter what other burdens we carry. The big problem is still going to be there. So we always, always have to take care of the biggest burden first, which will always be sin. But that doesn't mean we're insensitive to other burdens. It doesn't mean we're not called to carry other burdens as well. It includes burdens like grief or depression, discouragement, financial burdens even. Man, lots of that right now in our church family, isn't there? Lots of that right now in our church family. And if you think, oh, well, I didn't know that, well, then maybe that's an indication of how you're carrying burdens or how you're not. Because let me tell you, in, in our church family, there is a lot of example of people carrying burdens right now, burdens of deep grief, of recent grief, mourning over the loss of a loved one, breaking their heart. A lot of people are struggling with depression, and I don't mean I feel kind of down today, I mean gripping dark depression. A lot of people are battling discouragement, crippling discouragement that robs them of hope. A lot of people are struggling with overwhelming financial burdens. Lots of that right now in our own church family. And, and beyond our church family, lots of that in our communities, right? I mean, we don't have to look very long or very far to see someone with these kinds of burdens. Marriages. Either hanging on by a thread or having just collapsed. They're real. These burdens are real. And these burdens are powerful. And we don't have to look very long or very far to see someone with that kind of burden. And the thing to remember with all of this is that you have to actually open your eyes. You have to actually open your eyes. You have to pay attention to others. You have to actually get in their lives. You have to talk to them. You have to spend time with them. And yes, that, that's going to be messy. And that's going to be inconvenient. It's going to require something of you and of me. It's going to require sacrifice. It's going to require deliberateness. But my friends, this is what we're called to be as the body. We're called to carry, to bear one another's burdens and to so fulfill the law of Christ. It's a command. And beyond being a command, it's incredibly practical. Because I have either gone through or will go through what you're going through and vice versa. So, I mean, we can be there for each other in ways that no one else can be. Not only by experiencing the same thing in some way or fashion, but by the same bond of the Spirit in Jesus Christ. I mean, we have what no one else has in the world. Why would we not help one another? 
And the thing we have to remember, we have to remember, is burden-bearing can't happen apart from relationship building. Burden-bearing can't happen apart from relationship building. It takes a relationship, an ongoing, continual, true, deep, far below just the surface relationship for me to be able to recognize what burden you're dealing with, what burden you're carrying, and likewise. I'm not going to be able to know if I'm just on the peripheral, never getting in your business, and you're never getting in mine. It's not going to happen. We'll just keep trudging along under the weight of the burdens, and we'll all just be carrying around these burdens that we were never meant to carry or to keep carrying, and then we'll just be Way down a little more and a little more and a little more till we're flat on our face and then we are absolutely useless for the kingdom. And that is exactly what the enemy wants. And that is exactly why the enemy makes it just so easy to just sit in our own little bubbles and our own little shelters, never getting out of that, never engaging one another, not really, not deeply. It's just so easy to do that, isn't it? And it's just so comfortable in my nice little cocoon. Getting out of that and engaging in intentional ways, again, it's messy. And it's not comfortable. It's awkward. And it's time-consuming and it's energy-consuming. But it is vital. Vital. And to neglect it is direct disobedience to God who commanded it. Again, that's, that's one reason we want to be a little bit more intentional about providing that opportunity and seeing that happen. That's, that's what's behind the coffee connections out there. It's not just because we want to just have chocolate mousse coffee, although chocolate mousse coffee is amazing. I mean, Kevin. It's not just because of that. It's not because we want tables out there, high-top nice tables so we can look like McDonald's or Starbucks. That's not it. That's not why. It's so that we can do a little bit, a little thing. It's a little thing that will hopefully be a catalyst of bigger things and more frequent things where we'll see community really, truly happen and grow and increase. And as community grows and increases, so does the burden carrying. That's really what's behind all of that. Burden Bearing can't happen apart from relationship building. God always, always directs us to be others focused, others aware. And as we are, as we are others focused and others aware, He says to us, okay, good, now, now go help them. Go help them carry that burden. As your eyes are open to others and you're focused on others and not just yourself, as you see what they're struggling with, you will hear the Spirit of God say, okay, now go. You go do something about that. Go help them with that load. Go help them with that burden. Carry it with them. Carry it for them. I mean, what husband, guys, what husband sits there on the couch watching whatever, the latest game, your favorite show, maybe you're just napping. You know your wife's at the grocery store. She comes home, she pulls up, you hear her, you see her out the window, 
And, I mean, you know that she's got this major, major shopping load with her. I mean, she has just cleaned out Kroger. And she's there, and she's got all these bags, and she's struggling. I mean, what husband, really, what husband sits there on the couch as she comes in and says, that's quite a load you got there, honey. Looks heavy. I mean, (laughs) that's unthinkable, right, guys? Right, guys? Okay. Just checking. If that's not unthinkable to you, I keep office hours. We'll talk. Let's talk. (laughs) That should be unthinkable to any husband who's a good husband, right? No, you're, you're up off the couch, you're out there, you, you grab the groceries she has, and then you go back for more, right? You carry her burden because you don't want the one you love to strain under the weight of that burden when you can do something about it. That's how it needs to be with the church. That's exactly how it needs to be with the concept of burden-bearing within the church. It needs to be a constant and a shared exercise where we're mutually carrying one another's burdens all the time. I'm doing that for you. You're doing that for me. And that the whole body of Christ, and in this context, the local body of Christ here, is doing that consistently, mutually. And looking back at, at the text, at Galatians 6, and with the last part of verse 2, Paul there says, in this way, in other words, if you do this, as you're doing this, carrying of one another's burdens, you will fulfill the law of Christ. That's what he says there at the last part of verse 2. And it's important to understand that throughout this whole letter to the Galatians, Paul is battling the legalists and and the false teachers among the Galatian Christians who burden them with trying to keep the law along with their belief in the gospel. So here it's almost as if he says with this phrase, okay, all right, so you want to fulfill the law? Great, great. Here's your law to fulfill. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Which he reminds them of in chapter 5 verse 14. The law of Christ is really summed up in being others focused. In choosing to love others as we love ourselves. The whole law is summarized in the statement, love your neighbor as yourself, Paul says. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And that's, that's a direct quote from Jesus himself, as recorded in Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Teachers of the law were trying to trip him up, Pharisees, and they said, tell us which one's the greatest commandment. And they were hoping he would, he would trip up, he would exclude what was important. And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That's the greatest commandment, but the second is like unto it. In other words, the second is connected to it, and you can't really be doing one unless you're doing the other. The second is love your neighbor as you love yourself. James refers to that as the royal law. And it is royal because it's straight from King Jesus. And Paul says that's the way to do it. That's how do you really fulfill the law of Christ. You love your neighbor as yourself. You're others focused. You're others aware. And you rush to help them with their burden. 
So Paul is telling them that instead of imposing the law as a burden upon others, they should rather lift their burdens off and carry them and so fulfill Christ's law. That's what's before us. That's what we're called to do. But we need to understand something. We need to understand something about the carrying of burdens. Very important to understand for ourselves. There's an order to get right. There's a priority. There's a step-by-step response and approach to this. I want to draw your attention to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Verses 28 and 29, Jesus here speaking, Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29, he says this, Come to me, Jesus speaking, come to me, all, all you who are weary and burdened, and that's all of us, that's everyone, all who are weary and burdened, and here's the promise, and I will give you rest. Then he says this, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. Come to me who are weary, heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, which is exactly what we're called to be as we go and carry one another's burdens, right? Remember Galatians 6.1, restore with gentleness, with humility. And you will find rest for your souls. That's what we all want. That's what we all desire. That's what we all long for and what we all need. Rest at the soul level. It can only be found in Jesus. He's the only one that can bring that about. And what that means is what that looks like is this. We all carry burdens. We all carry deep, big burdens. We carry these things around with us and it becomes part of us. This is, this is our lot in life being human. It's a heavy, heavy thing we carry in this life. Our human nature, even after being made new in Christ, it's still with us. It's still part of us. And because it's part of us, so is a burden that we carry from time to time. And so as I'm carrying this burden, I mean, no matter what I do, I can't, I just can't get it off. And it's just with me. And the more I struggle against it in my own power, the weaker I get until I I just can't do anything else. And that's true of everyone. It's true of everyone. And the only hope I have is to look to the cross of Christ, realizing and recognizing he came here to take this burden off of me, to bear it so that I don't have to anymore. And just as I do that, first of all, as I come to him in salvation, I have to continually come to him again and again and again because I, I foolishly can still choose to yield to sin. You can still foolishly choose to yield to sin. And as you yield to sin, it's like that burden comes back 
on again and, and you have to deal with it and you, you start carrying it again. As I'm weighed down by the cares and, and concerns around life and in life, that burden just keeps coming back. It's a perpetual thing. I've been freed eternally by coming to Christ. And if you've come to Christ, so have you. You've been freed positionally and you've been freed eternally of the burden of sin. And, and you don't really bear it permanently anymore, but you can choose to strap it back on. And you and I do choose to strap it back on because we got comfortable with it. It was familiar. So the constant struggle is letting go of that burden. But again, we can't do that in and of ourselves. We just really can't. So we have to keep coming back to the Savior we came to for the first time. That doesn't mean we get saved all over again. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we have to come to him for him to apply what was already given and what is already ours forever, forgiveness and freedom. We have to keep coming to him to be continually covered by that, to continually be, to be released from those burdens. And as that happens, and as I'm experiencing that freedom again and afresh and anew, moment by moment, day after day, as I look and I say, yes, your mercies are new every morning. Because of your great mercy, I am not consumed. Great is your faithfulness. As we say that, we don't just then stand and how great it is to be free. Oh, how, how pitiable are those who carry burdens. That's not it. That's not what we're freed to do. Our, our freedom... Our freedom isn't just for ourselves. We're not freed from our burdens just so that I can experience freedom and bask in it while others struggle. No. I am freed also so that I can help then a brother or a sister that is burdened as well. It's I'm freed so that I can help a brother or a sister come and find the same freedom I have. If they've never fully embrace freedom as found only in Jesus Christ, I take them to him and I, for the first time, introduce eternal freedom to them. And the burden comes away and it comes off their shoulders and they're free too. Thank you. Thank you, Levi. And that's exactly what we have to continually do. That's what it is to carry one another's burdens. It's being aware of someone else struggling but knowing I can't help them until my burden is gone off of my back. I can't carry their heavy burden when I have a heavy one weighing me down. I've got to release my burden first, then I can go and help them. And that only happens through Christ. Not only does he give me the freedom I need, but then he gives me, he not just gives me the ability to do it, not just the ability to go and help my brother or my sister, he also gives me the desire to do it. He gives me the want to want to help them. And it happens as I remember that he did the same for me. And at a much, much greater cost and to a much, much greater degree. The reminder of him freeing my burden and knowing what it cost is motivation for me to go and do the same thing. And with that in mind, I just want to end our time by sharing with you 1 Peter 2.24 as a reminder for all of us. 1 Peter 
An amazing verse of Scripture. 1 Peter 2.24 says this, He himself, speaking of Jesus, speaking of the one who came to this earth for me, for you, and here's what he did, he himself bore our sins. Do you catch that? He himself bore our sins. Jesus is the ultimate burden bearer. And the burden that he bore is my sin and your sin. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. That needs to be on every one of our lips from every one of our hearts. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, on the cross, so that, here's why, here's the purpose, so that we might die to sins, which brings freedom, and live for righteousness, which is the responsibility and response of all who have been freed. By his wounds, you have been healed. He is the ultimate sin bearer. He is the ultimate burden bearer. And he is the only one, the only one who can free you and me of our burdens. First and foremost in salvation and then perpetually as we go forward in our life. And as he does that, he gives us the ability and the desire to go and do the same for one another. May it be so of us. May it be true of us.